Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hello, Sarah J. Percy P. Hey, no. I know, but it doesn't sound right. <laughs> Percy A, it doesn't sound right. It's got to be Percy P. Yeah, that's true. Percy it's A like, sounds terrible. Or even like Persis A. Mm-mm. No. It's Percy P. There has to be like a, a strong consonant after Percy. Yeah. Percy P. Percy P. Can I tell you what I purchased today? Of course. Please do. I purchased a sunset lamp. What is that? You haven't heard of those? I don't think so. Oh, is I it forgot. like a lamp that looks like the sunset? No, I forgot that I uh, chat with a boomer every week. <laughs> it's honestly confirmed back to me every single week. Why? I'm 27. I'm young. Only because it's all over TikTok, but um, oh, basically, oh, yeah. it's like a little, it's a little lamp with like a, like a light like this it's really little and (laughs) you you plug it in and it fills up your whole room to like you know how i love my lighting like my vibey lighting my me too pink tones my like red tones my you know anything like that yeah and it just feels orange glow it just fills up the whole room so there's ones where you can do like uh sunset or you can do the neon not you know what i mean by like the pink lighting i love a good pink lighting you love in my room and purple and purple but um yeah i purchased that so i'm gonna test it out and then i'll send you a picture to see what it show you what it looks like that sounds like something i would want to invest in yeah okay well maybe maybe i'll i'll get it also just a poll for you and everyone listening should i get should i like be on tiktok like should i be on tiktok that's the question yes yes i think you should if i am on tiktok that means i get to uh see even more content from our guest today Yes. Our guest today has 81,000 followers on TikTok and and over 10,000 on Instagram. And it wasn't always that way, folks. He has just like exploded over the last five or six months. And there's a reason. And we talked to him all about what that reason is. And his name, Persis, is Owen Unra. Do you guys like that? Was it a drum roll? Like more like a bass line than a drum roll. Yeah. Wait, should I do a drum yeah. roll? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay. Oh, okay. That's good. It doesn't sound good. But Owen deserves a drum roll. Maybe you can like, you know. Oh, I'll put a drum I'll put a drum roll effect. 
I was gonna say get like a real drum roll, but then Persis was like, I can, I can take care of this. Don't don't worry about it. Owen Unruh. Yeah, so we talked to Owen Unruh today, and I discovered him on Instagram about six months ago, and I just like got obsessed with his content. I just thought the way he was like talking about his life and his story and his everyday was so unique, like really impactful. For me, as a straight, white girl with no addictive tendencies, you know what I mean? And like, I was so drawn, and am still so drawn to his content. So I can't even imagine like how impactful his content must be for people who like resonate with the, really resonate with the things he's talking about. Absolutely. And I mean, I guess before we get into the episode, for those of you who don't know who Owen Unruh is, he is a gay man indigenous, um, also identifies as two spirit. Mm -hmm. And he opened up to Sarah and I um, on this particular episode about his discovery with his sexuality, but also touched upon his 10 year addiction that he Mm -hmm. had to overcome. And this is still something he deals with every single day. And it was a very important conversation and, you know, eye opening as well. And I definitely think a lot of people will be able to resonate with this. And anyone who is struggling can also look to this episode and hopefully like take something out of this. Yeah. Yeah. This conversation was, was intense, like trigger, trigger warnings for addiction. If you're just not ready to listen to a conversation about that, feel free to come back and listen later. It's an intense conversation. It's also a conversation full of like hope. To hear someone's story about how they went from basically their version of rock bottom and and made the proactive choice to turn things around for themselves without anyone's help. Yep. You know, without anyone's guidance except for his ancestors and his guides, which he talks about uh, in, in pretty great detail in this conversation. It's super fascinating. And it really ties into how he identifies as two-spirit. The strength is just unfathomable and he wears it so well like you can sense that the moment owen joined us on this little zoom hang we had i wish we could have been there with him in person that would have been incredible yeah his energy is is infectious and he has that like what you were kind of saying too he just wears everything with so much grace even like some advice he gives to sarah and i at the end of this was just very very beautiful and i'm you can, it makes sense that he has like this amount of success and I know it happened fairly quickly for him, but it's, it's meant to be. And it just makes me really excited for him to keep on building his platform and inspiring people. Yeah. Clearly we love Owen and we are just so grateful that he took time to chat with us because this is a new territory for us in terms of what we talked about. He's our first indigenous guest. He's our first two spirit guest. And the more conversations we have like this, the better. Like, I I think both of us just really want to expand who we're bringing into this show and like what we can offer to our listeners in terms of like feeling seen, feeling heard and expanding their understanding of of certain experiences and certain ways of living. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoy this episode. And once again, Owen, we love you. And thank you for being a part of Girl on Girl. Thank you. We love our girl on girl on boy episodes. If you guys want to follow Owen 
and keep up with his content like we do every single day. You can find him on Instagram. It's at owen.unra, U-N-R-U-H, or on TikTok, owenunra2. You good? You're a big fan. I know, a big fan. I'm excited. I know. Okay. Okay, ready? Ready. Hey, Hi. Owen. How are you? Going? I'm well. How are you? So good. I love this Owen neon sign. Oh, thank you. This is incredible. Did you get that custom made? I did, yeah. It's so one. nice. It's so good. Glow Hub. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to plug a business, but... Plug it. Plug <laughs> it. It's like, it's like it's Glow Hub <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Maybe I should... I feel like I need one right here. There's like this big empty space. Yeah. So yeah. Just Sarah. I feel like it really brightens up the space. And I think that there's nothing that makes you feel more like that bitch than having like a neon <laughs> sign with your name. With your name. In it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you should just get girl on girl, Sarah, on your yes. <laughs> I think that would be so on the cool. back. Okay. You know what? It's happening. That's what I want for Christmas, Persis. If you're wondering, it's what I want. Done. Perfect. <laughs> um, thank you so much for chatting with us. I've been a fan of yours. Like I'm a fan. So oh, I <laughs> yeah, I discovered your Instagram like I wanna say maybe five months ago, six months ago, something like that. And you know when you discover an account and you don't even know why, but like, there's just something, you love everything they do. Like everything you were posting, I was like, I, I love this. I'm, I'm on top of this. Like he's got a new post, he's got a new story. And I'm not <laughs> usually like that. Like I'm not on my social media that much, but yeah. there was just something about you that I just like loved just like how you showed up. Like it was so authentic. It was so fun. And just the fact, like, obviously, we are a queer podcast. We talk about queerness every single week of our lives. And so I've just been engaging with a lot more of that content, too. But I'm, like, a genuine fan. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hello. I'm like, what? No, it's Moi? always, like, so heartwarming just to hear that, like, me being myself is being received well. Like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, because you can tell you're just showing up as you. I think I think that's what I respond to. And just yeah. your story was so fascinating. Like it's just one of those things. I was like, "Purse, we have to see if Owen would ever chat with us." Because like, yeah, they're ju they're just so great. And she was like, "I'm on it." <laughs> that's the first thing I noticed about you was your authenticity. Like yeah. Sarah was just sending me videos, and I was like, "Yes," because I think that's what people resonate with, right? Like. There's so many people who can just be posting content, but what I found with you is that I was just genuinely interested in wanting to know more. And you're just mm -hmm. showing up as yourself and like that's the best thing you can do. A hundred percent. And you know what? Like I, I've been on social media for a while, but I didn't start like, I wouldn't say I've ever like, uh, I, like quote unquote blowing up. Like I didn't start getting like the response that I have now until about like five or six months ago and that was when I actually started expressing myself authentically on social media up mm -hmm. until then mm -hmm. I was always putting forward this like highly sexually charged image um yeah. because I lived a lot of my life on like performing for men and appearing desirable to people and I for so many years I was like why Am I not getting all the followers that I see other people getting? Like, why am I not 
why is nobody responding to this? Like, why, 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 why? Yeah. And I realized once I actually started making content from the heart is because A, I was never supposed to be recognized for those things that I was trying before. I meant to be recognized mm-hmm. for other things. And yeah, people resonate with authenticity. And when I started speaking and creating from the heart is when I got a response. That is wild. And it's like your purpose, right? Like, so you you kind of like, this is what people want to hear from me. And this is what I'm here to deliver because people struggle to find their purpose. And in social media, especially, it's such a big competitive like space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that first and foremost, it's my purpose and the positive response has just been a secondary amazing thing. And it just seems so obvious. Like, of course, when you show up as yourself, people are going to resonate, but it takes a while to figure out what exactly that means. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me like 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like our listeners are going to be so stoked for this interview. I love it. I love what you two are doing. I'm excited to be here. And I'm just, I'm excited to lend my perspective. I think sometimes I get a little bit nervous with speaking and I tell myself the reason why is because of like so many years and we'll probably get into this so many years of addiction and like drug use. I feel that that really affected my brain and the way I like process information and the way that I share information. And sometimes that means there's a huge disconnect between like my thoughts and being able to organize them and also put them out, bring them out of my mouth and like, put it in a cohesive sentence. And so like, if I'm being honest, this, like coming on to this conversation, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like nervous because I'm like, yeah. how, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I think I will do well. Guaranteed. It's totally cool to be nervous. We totally get it. And like, we're, we're always nervous when we're chatting with people, but we try, we try to keep things really organic and we just try to like chat and it doesn't have to be too serious. It doesn't have to be like question, question, question. And whatever you want to talk about, go for it. If there's something you're like, I'm just not in the mood to talk about this, we will not be mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not even a little. Okay. Okay, well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? How do you identify? What are your pronouns? Where do you live? What do you do? Okay, hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My name is Owen Anra. I am an Indigenous two-spirit model, dancer, and social media content creator. I I identify as male, two-spirit, and my pronouns are he, him, his, and sometimes they. I am comfortable comfortable with either, and that's me. (laughs) (laughs) We always joke about too when someone asks you, like, "Okay, tell us about yourself." It's always like, "Okay, like here are the basics, and then (laughs) now what?" Yeah, you have like a pitch ready. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm. (laughs) Yeah, you're Canadian. You live in Vancouver. Oh yes, also yeah. Um, It's so funny because being an indigenous, like. I personally have a complicated relationship with like identifying as Canadian and that's only been a recent thing. Like had you asked me for the first 26 years of my life, are you Canadian? I would have been like, yes, absolutely Canadian. But Mm -hmm. now just reconnecting with my indigenous culture and understanding that 
we have been here long, long before Canada ever existed. And it's like, how can I identify as Canadian, especially when I know exactly what Canada was built on? And that is literally the backs and bodies of my people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how can I? But yeah, I am Canadian. I have a Canadian passport. Like, for sure. And yeah, so I live um, on the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And that is also known as Vancouver, British Columbia. Very cool. I just moved to Vancouver about a month ago. Oh, no way. So I've been really loving the rain, nonstop rain, every single day. It's been incredible. You're going to get that a lot. It's I'm like, like for the season, right? I'm learning like to love it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's called Rain City. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I knew it, but I didn't know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm getting used to it and loving it. And then Purse is all the way over in Toronto. I am. How is yeah. that? So it's like night, it's like nighttime for me. Well, not daylight savings is tripping me out. It's only 610 mm. over here right now, but um, yeah. Yeah. Toronto's great. Uh, Sarah and I lived together for seven years in the city. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so we knew Toronto roomies. like the back of our hand. We were roomies, besties. Then we had a little breakup. <laughs> yeah, when Sarah was like, hey, going to Vancouver. I left her. No, I fell in love with a man and then obviously that didn't work out. So anyway. <laughs> um, we're not bitter over here. It's not bitter. No, I'm not bitter. Not bitter. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> the ending of something is always the beginning of something else. Absolutely. Yes. And for me, the beginning was Vancouver. So yeah, loving it. Tell us a bit about your growing up experience. Okay, so uh, I <laughs> I was gonna be like I would, but I haven't grown up yet. <laughs> no, I love that relatable. Um, <laughs> so I was I am Indigenous. I was born to an Indigenous family, and I was put up for adoption very, very young. And I was raised in a very Christian family in a very small rural farm town um and that meant that I was never comfortable expressing my who I was I was I meant I had to suppress a lot of things um particularly my sexuality and just everything honestly I was like the blackest black sheep of the entire and it wasn't even just my household family like we all lived in close vicinity to my cousins and everything. And it was like the whole family, everybody like went to church every Sunday. There was like Bible study at my uncle's house. There was like youth group at the other one's house and they all like fit together. They were like, they all just did the same thing. And I was like really the only one that like didn't fit in at all and Mm -hmm. didn't get along with almost any of them. Wow. And so that was like the growing up life and then school also um being like it's a small town there was population like 5000 i think i was the only that i knew of gay kid in my high school and it was difficult a lot because i didn't i not only didn't feel safe to express who i was at home i didn't feel safe to express who i was at school and i really didn't have any space where i could explore who i was and 
as a result of that, I picked up drugs and alcohol to cope with that mm-hmm. and to feel like I could fit in for once to be, to party with the cool kids. And like, finally, right. they're going to look at me as one of their own. And, right. and I just got so addicted to that feeling of like, feeling like I fit in for once that I was just, I was constantly drinking and doing cocaine and that progressed into an addiction. And in a couple of years, I moved to Vancouver. Like the addiction just, I mean, you know, when they say that you can't like move, you can't like run away from your problems. Like it'll always like find you. Mm-hmm. that was it was like very that and not that I was like running away but I definitely brought them with me because the problem was in here right. and yeah so it, it grew into an even bigger addiction or more rampant until I was living on the street in Vancouver and I was shooting at meth and I was I was an escort for a lot of years and I just was very very lost in in relation to where I thought my life was going right. or where I wanted it to go. I was, mm-hmm. if I wanted my life going right, I was going left. Mm. And it was like that for a lot, a lot of years until recently. I'm wow. curious to know about the moment you realized you were a little different from the people you were surrounded with when you were growing up. Well, I knew that I was different by the color of my skin. Um, I knew that I was adopted. I knew that, um, like myself and my brother, we were both adopted into the same family. Um, and so we were both very much the odd ones out, but he fit in a lot better than I did. So I knew by the way that I looked, I knew that I was different, but then later on when it became apparent that I was different because of not only what I looked like on the outside, but also like who I was on the inside, it was... I think it's like the most embarrassing story. I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but I remember I one of my chores uh, growing up was to fold the family's laundry and put it away. And so I had like folded my mom and my dad's laundry and like put it away. I think I did my brother's and mine. And then I was in my sister's room. I was like folding her laundry and I was putting it away. And then like, I started trying on her underwear. and I'm like and I I don't know why like I didn't have to I didn't have to take off my clothes in order to do it but I was just like like, in order to get like the full effect the full feel my woman fantasy like at whatever fucking age I was so young sorry for swearing no you can swear on this podcast okay (laughs) so I'm like I don't I I can't even guess like I'm young I would say I don't know. I, I, I don't even remember. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah, trying on her lingerie and I'm like dancing around basically naked in her room and she comes in to my room and she's like, obviously like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and she like screams for my mom and that was the first time that I remember <sighs> being a little different. Like right. maybe not everybody did that. <laughs> you were so young and but do you remember like when you were doing it were you like this is wrong or were you just like I feel like I want to do this and I'm going to do it oh my god I was feeling my oats uh, (laughs) yes 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 like maybe I felt 
maybe I felt extra scandalous and maybe it wasn't just like the black lace that was making me making me feel scandalous. Maybe it was because I knew that probably this was not, I probably knew that it was like wrong and I, you say wrong in quotations because like totally. it isn't, but yeah. the belief system that I was, that has been instilled in me growing up in a religious family, like that's wrong. You don't totally. do that shit. Right. Yeah. And then obviously the reaction from not only your sister, but then your mom. Then my mom, yeah. And I was like, that was just further information for me that like, oh, mm-mm. And then you must just had so many more moments like that. As you grow up, as you get older, it's just like you, you want to go with your inner, your gut, your intuition. Like my intuition is to put on the black lacy. Yeah. But, and then that what's being reflected back at you is like not, that intuition is. Don't put on the black lacy <laughs> yes it's like throw the black lacy in the garbage yeah burn it repent <laughs> <laughs> never again yeah. wow you're like but i'm feeling myself that. yeah <laughs> can i ask why you ended up moving to vancouver i moved to vancouver originally to pursue modeling and dancing and just a career of I don't know, you know, having my name in lights, like that sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> You're really manifesting it. Like that's, that's I really, I know what, I just had to make it happen my goddamn self. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And you're on your way to like bigger lights, my friend. Yes. Mm. Uh, when you got to Vancouver and you were starting to like acclimatize to this area, to a city, to a place mm -hmm. where there is a gay community, did you feel uh, like, okay, I've got a little bit of like a safer space here? Uh, yeah, I felt safe in that I wasn't yeah I felt safe there was like gay community here um I when I got here it was like I felt comfortable in a city it felt like it was right for me there wasn't really much of a culture shock I was like this is where I'm supposed to be and then it really just became time for me to start exploring and I was like okay now I can start the rest of my life that I've been putting on hold for the past forever yeah. So like, let's get into it. Download <laughs> Grinder. I wasted no goddamn time. And <laughs> unfortunately, well, I don't know that it's unfortunate because the path has led me here and I'm okay with where I am today. But the situation was that I think one of, almost one of the first people that I met on Grinder, it turned into like they were doing drugs um, mm. and I was... And it, be, it was like a sex party thing and it turned into me trying all these new drugs for the first time ever. Cause I like, yeah. I knew cocaine really well. I was yeah. super good at cocaine. I was the best at it. Yeah. And then <laughs> I was so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get into this, this city gay community where there wasn't a lot of cocaine in the circles that I was meeting. It was expensive. It was more expensive and it was harder to find. And instead of that, they had something called tea, also known mm. as Tina, which is crystal meth or speed. Mm. And that is a very like highly used sex drug in the gay community, um, as well as G, GHB, which is like kind of like date rape. Um, but you, you like take it yourself is the general thing mm -hmm. and then 
yeah. And then I tried like MDMA and I tried ketamine and I did, it was like, anyways, yeah. So the, one of the first times, one of the first experiences that I had on Grinder in the city was a big smorgasbord of all of those things. And it was right. so much fun for me. I was like, I have never experienced anything like this. This is like everything that I could have ever dreamed of. And mm -hmm. why would I ever want to do anything other than this? This is so totally. much fun. Totally. Yeah. And it just, it carried me away. Yeah. It's especially from like, yep. And also coming from your background too, of just like being around such a conservative environment, like mm -hmm. it's just so different. Yeah. Yeah. And you're finally able to just be openly queer. Yeah. Were you, yeah. did you have a coming out experience? Like, did you come out to your um, adopted family or anything like that? Um, I didn't really. So they, I, they knew that I was gay and mm. I knew that they knew and they knew that I knew that they knew. And it was like, <laughs> everybody was in the know, but yeah. we just didn't talk about it. Right. And it. that, that was kind of a theme with a lot of things in our family. We just, we didn't really talk. We didn't really connect that much. We just didn't really talk about a lot of things. So I didn't have an official coming out moment. <laughs> I, I mean, there were times when like my mom like caught me watching gay porn on the family computer, but like mm -hmm. still like I didn't, I didn't admit to it. And there were times when they would ask but I wouldn't admit to it because I knew what they thought of it. And mm. I remember there was one time when my dad gave me this little pamphlet that he got from the church and it all in it was all about how being gay is wrong. And oh I had gosh. never, like I hadn't, I hadn't said anything to him, but I mean, like he knew. And yep. just reading that pamphlet was further information to me that I was not safe to be who I was around these people. And I mean, I love them so much and we've come a long way since then. So it's hard for me to say like these people, but like mm -hmm. at that time, that is exactly what I felt. I was like, I need to keep myself safe at all costs around these people who cannot accept me and cannot love me the way that I need. Mm -hmm. And so I will hide this for as long as I need. I'm so Absolutely. sorry. I mean, it built me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We d we interview a lot of a lot of queer people on this show, and we just recently interviewed Persis's cousin, who um, had a similar experience in that he knew he was queer at a very young age. He is Indian, so he also knew from the color of his skin he was different from the people around him, and he just like he didn't. He, it wasn't he wasn't accepted in his family like he didn't have like a place to just like fully be himself and fully be him coming from the straight perspective in this show Ed, that we do every single week it's like consistently like this isn't the right word but just eye-opening it's consistently like I was born into a situation where I got to fit in and that was that was just provided to me like it was just put into my lap and that is not what was provided to you in on so many levels it was like stacked against you. And you had, and you just, of course you're strong today. You had to burn through like five layers mm. of shit. But I mean, you also, I think that you also have a choice whether or not, I mean, I had a choice. I could be strong. I could be the person that I am right now, or I could continue to numb with 
all of my my numbing agents, my drugs, and my sex, and my alcohol, and my avoidance, yeah. and my mm. refusal to take accountability, and my refusal to believe in myself enough to put in the work. Yeah. I could do all of that, and that's easy. That would be the easy thing. But being strong is a choice, and it's a choice that everyone can make, I believe. Yeah, I agree with that. Did you also find that like your art was also an outlet for you in a way, like getting into dance and into modeling and everything like that during these times? Yeah, I don't know. It was, I think it was an outlet maybe is a good word for it. I'm not sure. I just remember like that. Yeah. So when I was growing up in my town and I had started dancing, um, that was definitely an outlet for me. And that was kind of a vessel for my dream, I -hmm. think. Just having that talent and that thing that I could do, it was like, okay, this is, this is something that can carry me to my dreams of like being big. I don't know yeah. what big meant, but I just, I know I wanted to be big. Yeah, and sure. so that, that seemed like at the time, what was going to get me to be big. And then later it was modeling that, that seemed at the time to be what was going to make me big. It wasn't until being deep in addiction and realizing that the only thing, that the true thing that would make me big was recovering from this addiction and sharing my story and helping other people through it. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's exactly what happened. Like you said, six months ago, when you started really showing up authentically, mm-hmm. that was when you blew, like you're, you blew up. I mean air quotes, but like you, you really, your reach just like skyrocketed. Yeah. Honestly, I remember the day (laughs) (laughs) I am because I have, I have been feeling like I was just in a transition period and I felt like I have all the tools. I'm, I'm on my way. I know that I'm going in the right direction and I just kind of like opened it up to the universe and to my guides and my ancestors and I just I went down to the water in English Bay and Mm -hmm. I had a moment a few moments there and I just meditated and I just said hey I'm ready I'm ready for whatever I'm supposed to be doing guide me use me I'm now's the time I'm ready And then I finished that little meditation and I looked at my phone and the two TikToks that I had just posted like half an hour before had like massively skyrocketed and were just like going viral. And ever ever since then, it has just been a steady incline. That's incredible. Shut up. I'm not kidding. That's incredible. That is crazy crazy you cannot make that shit up no <gasps> your ancestors they were like listen you ask and you receive you know yeah, yes, they're like, it's actually you already you already <laughs> yeah. we were just waiting for you to say it yes <gasps> and and you know what and i that's why i do believe in that so much right like people yeah. often like don't or they'll just 
it's like the energy you also put out is what you will receive. And I also find myself sometimes just being like, not, not having like false positivity. I think we need to stay authentic. Like we've mentioned a few times, but yeah, just, just ask for those things, say what you want and almost say it as if it's in like the present. But I think Mm -hmm. ready is the most important thing. Like, are you ready? Yeah. I think that's the most important thing because sometimes we ask for things that aren't necessarily for us. And as much as we want them to be for us, they just aren't for us. And so when we ask for it and then we don't get it, we're like, ugh, like this doesn't work. But I think that the most important thing is to be like, I don't necessarily know what is, what is mine, but I, I need the universe and the powers that be to know that I'm ready for whatever it is. And so when I say that I'm open and ready to receive what is mine, that's when it comes to me. Yeah, that's a good point. You weren't necessarily asking for a specific thing. You weren't saying, please give me this one thing I want. You were saying, I'm ready for my whatever my purpose is. I'm ready. And please show me what it is. Mm-hmm. And then you opened your eyes and they showed you. Yeah, literally. Speaking of your ancestors, can we dive into your indigenous roots a little bit? Because you, one of the videos I remember that I was like, okay, I'm in love with this account. That was when you reconnected with your birth family. Can you tell us a little bit about it? You've probably told the story a bunch in the last few months. Um, Yeah, I would love to. It was really special. So when I was growing up, I felt like I got everything that I needed out of having a family. I didn't feel like I was missing a family because I was, and this is in part because I was adopted very young. And so I didn't know any other family than the one that I had. It was a little different from my brother. He was older than me, excuse me. He was older than me. And he has a memory of our mother. And he he had a family that he was taken away from. And so like for him growing up, he kind of always felt like that there had maybe been a part missing. Whereas I didn't feel that because this family was the only family that I ever knew. And so I never wanted to reach out to them because um, I didn't want my family to feel like I was replacing them. And also because I was very ashamed to be Indigenous and I just didn't think, I just had no interest in reaching out because the environment that I grew up in, in the town that I grew up in, and seeing how Indigenous people were treated in my town and talked about, and how they were depicted in old Western movies, and how just everything, everything I knew about Indigenous people was not good. And I did not want to be associated with it. And so I was like, not only do I not need a new family, I don't want to be associated with being Native. Like, absolutely not. So I didn't reach out for the longest time. And it wasn't until moving to Vancouver, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends and he was telling me how he just like loves Native American stories so much. And he's like watched watched documentaries about it. He just respects it so much. And he's like, if I was Native, I would be so, so proud. And that was the first moment that I remember having my belief system shifted to something other than negative. I was like, that was the first moment where I was like, oh my God, maybe, oh my God, maybe he's right. Like maybe this is something I should be proud of. And so I, and that just grew more and more, especially seeing 
indigenous people on social media, um, mm -hmm. just being proud, practicing their culture, being proud, being unapologetic, and just showing up authentically indigenous without this narrative, this like, uh, like white colonist narrative film over, yeah. like, yeah, I could finally see indigenous people as they were presenting themselves without um, it being covered by like a colonist lens. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, finally something to be proud of. Um, yes. And then, yeah. And then I think in December, my brother reached out to my birth family and then they reached out to me and I hesitated for a little bit because I, I, just, I still wasn't sure. Um, because I still, I just, after so many years of being not close with my family, um, I have finally started to get close to them again because I'm finally learning how to like talk about my feelings and like connect with people. And I'm like, now I'm going to, I'm going to finally talk about my feelings and connect with my family. So now we finally have this relationship that I feel good about and I don't yet know if I want to go looking for another family, you know? Right, right. But I did because they were all reaching out to me and I was like, I think this is just the next step in my journey. I think in order for me to be the person that I need to be, to be the person that I'm meant to be, I need to be deeply rooted and connected in where I actually come from. Mm -hmm. And so then... Yeah, so then I met my family in, uh, a couple months ago, a few months ago, and yeah. it was just beautiful. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, it must have been so emotional, and like, I hope you got closure. And I, it wasn't emotional for me because it was just like, meeting new people mm -hmm. okay it wasn't like it wasn't overwhelmingly emotional i wouldn't yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna say it wasn't emotional because i had emotions and those sure. emotions were gratitude and fulfillment and like those kind of feelings but i wasn't it wasn't like a tumultuous emotional roller coaster yeah. i was meeting these people for the first time it felt like and mm -hmm. i was just showing up as I was, and that was enough. I fit in with them and they welcomed me with open arms and it was just, everything was like good. And mm -hmm. I didn't get any closure because I think that in order to have closure, it needs to be like an open wound type situation and it never was for me. So yeah. it was more of like an open door. Like it wasn't closure, it was open or, you know? <laughs> And just that like, connection, like you can just, you're open to it. You see them and you just know it's, it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's there. I, I kind of like what you're saying about how it really was just like meeting new people. You were so young when you were adopted. And I think you'd expect maybe you meet these people and you, you're just connected. It's like, oh, my family. And I feel it. Did you have yeah. that feeling? Yes, I think so. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And I feel like. Prior to meeting them, I feel like I have a very strong and deep connection to my innate indigeneity 
already and just mm-hmm. meeting meeting the family is a next step in that and so I kind of just felt all those things that I already feel inside just like deepen and like if you picture maybe like roots I was kind of like mm, I don't know how to paint this picture okay so there's like roots here uh-huh. but they stop right here and mm-hmm. I'm right here and I'm growing roots here uh-huh. and that's what I feel like I was before I met them and I'm like connect- connecting with myself and everything and I'm putting down these roots does that make sense yeah oh yeah that makes okay. perfect sense good for you for taking that leap I feel like it's complex like I understand why you spend so many years feeling like do I need this do I want this is this yeah. the right move for me but ultimately like you're following your intuition that, every yeah. step of the way that feels like your journey like even with your addiction like you've just kind of been having to trust it's very that I am like just a sensitive intuitive Pisces and I rely a lot (laughs) on my intuition and my like spiritual connection to guide me to where I'm supposed to go and I'm just doing the next right thing and yeah trusting my gut Mm -hmm. and my intuition and the signs that I'm being shown and in that way I can like look back on my life even all of the years of addiction that was part of it and that was a big part of it and that was the part that formed me to like make to get me to where I'm going I think that's a huge part of me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and one thing we wanted to ask you about was whether you feel like like you have these things that you're very open about on social media your addiction, your um, indigeneity, your uh, queerness. And do you feel like all of those things, like these these pillars of your story connect in some way? Like other than the fact that they're just part of your story? I think that my addiction is definitely linked to a lot of things. So it's linked to my indigeneity and my sexuality in that my addiction was a tool to suppress these things, suppress my sexuality, mm. suppress my, my indigen- the indigenous side of myself. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. I think it was just who I really am. I have always suppressed it with drugs and alcohol and I guess getting sober is now opening the door for me to actually be who I am right Mm -hmm. the suppression stops the suppression stops and now I'm not like now that I am comfortable and confident in my sexuality and my indigeneity and I'm connected and deeply rooted in all these things the addiction, where is it? I mean, it's, right. it's there. It's an addiction. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily go away, but I'm like, yeah, it's, right. not, it's not a huge player in my life. Can we just say congratulations? Yes. I like, want to say like big congrats. Like that's incredible. Thank like you. how many, how long have you been sober now? Seven months and nine days. In the long run, it's like but, pretty short, but. Yeah, but also really long. Like. Yeah. Like, do you feel like you, you, you congratulate yourself a lot or, you know what I mean? Like, do you 
sit back and reflect, give yourself the props that you deserve? Or you like, got to keep moving forward? I am a little bit of both. I don't know if I like, I don't know if I sit back and I'm like, I fully, I, I don't know if I fully revel in the recognition that I may deserve in terms of recovering from the addiction because it is very like move forward and I've always been a person that's like I'm very much in this moment right now mm-hmm. that's a lie not always well right now I am very much a person who is like rooted in the present moment and that sometimes means not thinking a lot about things that happened even a moment ago right yeah I forget sometimes what a big deal it is to recover from what I recovered from. Absolutely. Because it, it truly was like, I almost died like a lot of times. I, it was my whole entire life for 10 years, 10 mm-hmm. fucking years. That's a whole, that's a third of my life. Yeah. More yeah. than a third of my life. And you're I'm 27 just, now you were saying, 27, right? Yeah. Yeah. I am just now at the very beginning of, the rest of my healthy life. Right. Yeah. Did you have like a specific moment when you realized I need to get sober? I remember, I just feel like there was, <laughs> there was a few. So last, I think November or December, I got sober. And I, I, I feel like that was when I like got sober, got sober. But my sobriety date is from, I had a relapse and like April or March or something. So that's when I count my sobriety date. But like when I got mm-hmm. sober, sober, I feel like it was about a year ago. Yeah. And I just remember every time that I would use, I would have a panic attack and I would like, like there were so many times I like called 911 and I just mm-hmm. like, I was like, there are things. And I it was like psychosis. It was feeling like I was in danger. It was mm-hmm. these it was sounds that I would hear that maybe were real life sounds. Like I lived, okay, for example, I lived right beside a school. And so I would hear kids screaming all the time. And when you're sober, like, it's fine. You're like, oh my God, that's like a a kid screaming. Like they're just having so much fun. But when I'm in my house and I've been using and I'm like, yeah, I've been using the story that I tell myself about those screams is that like they're getting fucking kidnapped and like right, oh my god right. that van that van that I just saw drive through the alley is like there's like a kid in there and they're fucking screaming and I'm like yeah. like it's just like the story that I'm telling myself is vastly different when I'm high and that makes me feel like I'm in danger or someone else is in danger and then I call nine one one. Or I'm like freaking out to my roommate or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I remember calling 911 that time. And the police ended up at my at my house, like a lot of them. And there, and this was not the first encounter that I had with police, like from me calling 911. And it was just, I couldn't explain what was going on. And there was like nothing, because like, like nothing really was wrong. It was just, it was me. Right. And then after that, I just remember like laying in my living room, on my living room floor, listening to the radio and like Lonely by Justin Bieber came on and I was just laying there in the dark, like fucking crying, just Mm -hmm. like crying. And the thing about meth and 
drugs, but like meth specifically, is it turns off your ability to feel emotions. So you don't really, you don't authentically laugh, you don't cry, you don't feel things. That's why it's such a perfect numbing tool. Mm. And so like, you don't cry when you're high. You don't cry when you're like under the influence. But right. like the, the sorrow and the pain was so deep in me and so profound that like I couldn't not sob and I was just mm-hmm. laying there on the floor and I'm like I can't do this like and I remember again in that moment I like called out to the universe and I was like whatever I have to fucking do whatever I have to do I'm ready I need to I can't do this yep. and that was when I like got sober that time and then I had like a relapse Mm-hmm. Um, because they say with addiction, it's like, I'm not, I don't have a disease. I don't have the disease of addiction. I have the disease of forgetfulness. And that's like, I, I feel that is true because after a certain amount of time, if you're not careful, your brain will just convince you, oh, you don't have a problem. Yes. It's going to be different right. this time. I've heard that like as yeah. well. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Of course. Justin Bieber will do that to you, though. Oh, my God. That song is emotional. Yeah. (laughs) It is really sad. I deeply felt it. I'm like, this is my fucking life. This is my life in the song right now. Like, I'm so lonely. But those moments in life, like, we, you know, you have them every now and then, and they are profound. Like, you know, when you're just by yourself and whatever the, the sensations are, like... It, those moments can be like life-changing and they clearly were for you. Yeah, 100%. Do you have any feedback for anyone listening who's struggling with addiction or anyone who's in a relationship with someone who's an addict or maybe has an addict in their family? Do you have any any advice? I know that's kind of a broad question, but... No, I think, okay, first of all, if you have an addict in your family or if you love an addict, then... I just want to hug you like I love you and this is hard I know it's hard the only thing that you can do is hold space for them where they are right now no one ever overcame their addiction because they were loved hard enough and I know you love them so much but no one ever overcame their addiction because they were loved hard enough or they were forced or they were coerced, or they were guilted out of it. It is something deeply, deeply personal that they will, if they are meant to overcome it, then they will overcome it in their own time. And there's nothing you can do but sit back sometimes, and you have to let it play its course. It hurts them even more if you try to control them, and it hurts them even more if you enable them. And Mm -hmm. all you can do is love this person with boundaries and be ready to step back if you need to, because addicts don't have a real good ability to prioritize other people's boundaries. Right. Um, So that's my advice if you love an addict. If you are an addict, I want to say that I know that your addiction feels huge it feels like if you're like me it feels like a huge engulfing part of your life that is never going away and it's permanent and it's an endless 
hopeless cycle, but I promise you it doesn't have to be. You have the power to choose every single moment from the, from the moment we wake up at the beginning of the day, we are making choices in every moment throughout the day. And the choices that we make determine what our future looks like. And if you don't like where your choices have gotten you today, right now, then you have the power to start making different choices. You have that power within you. You have everything you need within you. Never forget that you can start making different choices if you want. And if you don't want to, and if you are not ready yet, that is okay. You are still loved and you are still valid and you are still a special, beautiful human, sober or not. Mm-hmm. There's a video you had, Owen, that I loved what you said. You said you have the power to write your life mm-hmm. um, as we were like the main characters and the main authors of our life. And I think so many people can feel very stuck or they feel complacent. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a very good reminder for you to say like you, you can change that. You know, like you have that power. Yeah. I think that we forget a lot, just like the circumstances that may go on in our lives. We kind of feel powerless to them and we feel like things are happening to us. But, and we may not have the ability to control the events that happen to us in terms of like, yeah, just that. We, we can't really control what happens to us, but we can absolutely control how we react to it and how we react to it yep. shapes our lives. I want to play that sound by every morning when I wake up. <laughs> that's, that's actually like, my plan. Thank God we're recording this. I know because <laughs> I feel like everyone needs to hear that, whether you're an addict, whether you're queer, whether you're straight, like everyone needs to know that they have the power to choose what they want and what's best for them. And they just have to make that decision. And it's not easy, but everyone has that inside them. And all the, all the best things, all the most rewarding things are on the other side of not easy. Totally. Yes. They're on the other side of the difficult things. Totally. Yeah. Owen, thank yeah. you so much for chatting with us. Before We're- we say goodbye though, there was one thing that we really wanted you to just quickly chat about because in case our listeners aren't aware, yeah. we've never had a two-spirit guest on the show before. Can you yes. tell us a bit about what it means to identify as two-spirit before we say goodbye? Yes. Okay. Um, so in my culture, a two-spirit person is uh, somebody who embodies both the masculine and the feminine spirit. They were thought to be able to walk between the physical world and the spirit world. And because of that, they were shamans and they were healers and they were ceremonial leaders. They were sometimes in same sex, same gender um, relationships. They would sometimes wear clothing of the opposite gender. And to westernize two-spirit would be, it could be like gay by trans lesbian um, because of the sex sexual identity part of it. But for me, two spirit is it's a sexual identity, but it's mostly for me a, like a spiritual identity. And it's a term that I use because I'm like, it resonates with me. I think it, it really resonates with me as a spiritual identity. And I, I identify as a man and gay like western it's it's funny because we have to like marry i have to marry like the western part of myself 
and also my roots. And I'm like, what does that look like? So for me, right. it looks like uh, being a two-spirit man as like, uh, yeah, two-spirit man. I'm still, I'm still toying with like, do I need gay in there or not? Or like, I'm still toying with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talk about labels a lot on, on this show and whether labels, like whether you feel like labels are needed or not for yourself, that's up to you. And you could have no labels at all. And that's also completely fine. But it is, it is powerful to like find a label and feel very, um, like, feel like that really resonates with you on many levels. Like you said, spiritual, sexual, but I think it's also okay to just be like, I'm still figuring it out. Totally. Yeah. I think, yeah, absolutely. Aren't yeah. we all just kind of in the process of figuring out who we are? All literally every single day, 24 yeah. seven, like 24 yeah. seven, even when I'm I sleeping learned... and beyond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and beyond. For me, it's like literally even when I'm sleeping, like I've, I get the dreams. <laughs> me Oh my too. gosh. I've been having yeah. some wild dreams lately. Yeah. Can you tell I us about your wild dreams? Uh, all of them have been danger. Like there's danger. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been like scary dreams. So I'm trying to just sit with them and figure out what that means. Yeah. Because I think it means something. Yeah, I think um, most dreams mean something. Yeah. Um, in my experience, I've had like premonition-like dreams. I've had dreams of like very abstract things, but when I, um, either when I Google it or when I figure out what those things kind of symbolize, I can intuitively figure out what it means in my regular life. But right. I think that we get a lot, a lot of guidance from our dreams if we are open, it, open to it. I think so too. Then I have to tell you guys what I've been having dreams about because I need guidance. Wild yeah. sex dreams? Yes, with Bet yeah. from the L Words character. <laughs> like no word of a lie. <laughs> Only her? Yes. And she's not even my fave on the show. No, no hate to Bet, but yeah, she's older. She's like <laughs> dominating me in my dreams. I'm like, what does this mean? Okay. I'm not mad so- about it. no no not at all um i heard that when you see people in their dream in your dreams it's it doesn't matter like who it is it is an expression of you and so maybe there is an expression of you that is like bet from the l word maybe it's like a dominant expression of you and maybe i don't know what that means maybe i don't know i'll take it i think you have like a very dominant side to you that like people don't see it when they first meet you but it's there and it's like, it comes out, especially when you like someone. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. No, I honestly just want to say again, just congrats on everything that you've accomplished and yeah. the platform that you've created is going to help so many people. I hope so. so many people. And yeah, I, I do hope you know that. Um, the fact that you're you are able to be so open and you're vulnerable even just like this whole conversation i'm so grateful that you opened up about all the struggles that you have gone through but you've overcome and you know you're you're so strong and yeah i just want to say i'm really grateful for you and really happy to have met you too yay thank you so much for saying that yeah thank you guys yeah and i mean you really offer like you've like curated the space for me to open up and I think that is also there's something to be said for that that means a lot when you are able to hold the space and curate the space for people to share 
vulnerable sides of themselves. So thank you both for that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's all we're trying to do. So that's good to hear. And guys, actually, do you want to plug yourself a bit? Hold on. Actually, li- totally. Yeah, <laughs> we were like-, like recording an episode. We're having like a heart to heart. Yeah. <laughs> What's your TikTok, Instagram? Like how can people find you? Um, you can find me on TikTok at O-W-E-N-U-N-R-U-H-2, O-N-R-U-H-2, or Instagram at Owen.unra. Perfect. Guys, you know where to follow. You know where to find them. You know where to go. And I definitely guarantee a follow because I'm like your number one fan. Oh my God. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Does it feel worthy of fans? No, I don't know. You're like, I'm used to it. (laughs) I don't know if I would say fans. I would just say friends because I feel like fans is like it. I don't know if denotes is the right word, but it like it suggests levels and like mm-hmm. a pedestal yeah. where I don't I don't super feel comfortable with that. Totally. You know. I feel you. Okay, I hear that. Yeah. That's okay. all friends over here. We can be friends. Yeah. <laughs>Go give him a follow. He is gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Oh yeah. Also, he is simply gorgeous. I mean, he's <laughs> a like, model, so obviously. Yeah. But I was like, I was oh. just in awe of his face the entire time. I was like, I know. your skin beautiful. was glowing. I know. I was like, how is one person this beautiful, stunning? Percy Benz. This, in case you missed it, we're getting a little festive. Not yet. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Not yet. Is that Mariah? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, I know that one. I'm not a total boomer. I know what you're talking about. First of all, I just have to say, I love Christmas. Purse, I know you love Christmas. The Christmases we've celebrated together, we've really, you know, made it an event, you know? We do. We actually, like, we, when we lived together, we actually would celebrate Christmas. We would usually have, like, a little a little tree that we'd like put some lights on. We'd give each other some presents before we'd like go home for the holidays. Yeah. So we used to write each other like three page long letters. They were basically just like, here are all the great things you accomplished this year. Can't wait until, you know what I mean? Like we would just be beefing each other up and like talking about how much we loved each other. And actually I found in a stash of old stuff recently, this, um, uh, what was it? It was like a screenplay that Purse had written me. I remember I, re- I was going to bring this up because it was long. I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. I, and when I was like working at a really shitty job at the time, like only for a few months. Yeah. It's so clear. I would literally was not doing my job. I wrote the whole screenplay. <laughs> it was, it must have been like six or seven pages long. It was called Roommates. It was all about like Persis and Sarah. And here are the things that they like did good this year and the things they did bad this year. Oh, guys, if I find it, I think it might be back home. So when I go home for the holidays, I'll take a picture and I'll, I'll post it for you guys to see. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember it, too. I just, like, don't know exactly what I said specifically. But I definitely know I touched upon, like, romantic stuff that didn't go well in our oh, lives. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. You – yeah, we would always do that, though. We, like – we definitely put a lot of effort into our gifts and into our cards. Um, and I miss that. So we should do it again this year. Yeah, we should. It was really, it was really sweet. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) But for this, in case you missed it, it's getting festive because there 
is a queer Christmas movie coming out on Netflix this year. And I feel like you guys have probably heard about it. It's called Single All The Way. It's coming out in December. December 2nd? Yeah. Oh, December 2nd. Oh, that's really soon. Very soon. Oh, I'm so excited. This is what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So this is a little summary. Desperate to avoid his family's judgment about his perpetual single status. Oh my God, that's going to be me. Peter (laughs) convinces his best friend Nick to join him for the holidays and pretend that they're in a relationship. That's juicy. That is juicy. That's like a classic, you know, rom-com storyline, you know? The fake date, the fake date, the fake boyfriend and girlfriend. This is just my... um. This is my take really quickly. Okay. What yes, I actually please. am interested to see with this movie, the fact that it is going to be a gay rom-com, I feel like because this guy is obviously openly in the LGBTQ community, his family must be like cool with it. They're probably just wondering, oh, why is he still single? So it's not like he's bringing his girlfriend for the holidays, pretending to be straight. He's bringing a man to be like, Nick, yeah. be my boyfriend. That's what I mean. Like, it's the classic, tr- that classic rom-com trope, but it's not like I'm hiding my, my gayness. It's like, it, uh, yeah, I'm gay, and I just don't want you guys to think I'm, I'm single. Like, it, it flips the switch. But this reminded me, so you all know we love Happiest Season. I think it was a huge milestone in terms of, like, commercial movies and holiday movies. But there was some criticism about that movie when it came out from the queer community saying, like, does, does it have to be about hiding your sexuality? What, <laughs> can't we have a story where, like, people are just openly queer and it's not weird? Yeah. Um, and so when I read the synopsis of this, I was like, I feel like this is that one step forward that maybe people were looking for with Happiest Season. It's like, not only does he bring, the lead character bring, his male friend home with him to pretend it's his boyfriend. So no hiding. The only thing he's hiding is that he's, he's single. Yeah. But also his plan goes awry when his mother sets him up on a blind date with a handsome trainer named James. Oh. So there's like another, so there's another guy. So also his mom's setting him up with a guy. So it's, like, it's not like, it's just a classic rom-com except the main character is queer and it's not, he's not hiding it and it's, accepted by the family and everything's normal you know what i mean i think that's what people were hoping for with happiest season yes that's what i think so too and i am just so excited i just love these christmas rom-coms like me too you know give it to me yes and also Also, jennifer coolidge is in it yes that's what i was just gonna say she's playing aunt (sighs) sandy i give me jennifer coolidge any day Anytime, any time of year, and I'm a happy girl. She's the best, and she's gonna be such a good Aunt Sandy. Like I can already picture it. Oh, there's a picture of her. <laughs> there's a picture of her in this article that Pris and I are looking at in the movie, and she is rocking head to toe animal print. The like basically almost like a faux fur jacket with the animal print tight dress underneath. She's got these like big gold star earrings her makeup is done to the nines like that is jennifer coolidge at her at her peak right there i cannot wait yeah she's she's so funny and she always just plays every role so well but she's almost just like playing herself don't you feel (laughs) i know do you know um 
Chloe is crazy. She's she's on SNL. It's she's one of the newest cast members on SNL, and she's known for her impersonations. She's really really good at impersonations. She did a Timothy Chalamet one that got really popular right before she joined SNL, um, and she's just really good Drew Barrymore. But she does a Jennifer Coolidge one that is like next level. It's it's like um, uncanny. Okay, good to know. I'm going to check that out because yeah. she's just very easy to, not saying easy to impersonate, but she's very recognizable. Like you would know oh, if someone's oh, yeah. impersonating her. Ah, I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch this movie. Purse, maybe we should watch this movie together, like from afar, but together. Does that make sense? Like a little viewing party? Netflix party. Yeah, I, I have never used that, but I'm down because I think that'd be fun to, we could like get some, we could order in, pretend yeah. we're together. Actually, better than Netflix party is Scener. So we could watch Ooh. it together and we can see each other's faces, but it syncs up together. So we're watching it in real time. Oh, fun. We'll okay, do that do instead. Because Netflix party, you can't see each other. You're just like typing in a chat. Oh, okay, no, I want to see your face. It's oh, more fun because it feels like you're like watching it together. Yeah, fully. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to do that. Let us know if you guys are going to do that. It comes out December 2nd. It's called Single All the Way, which is a great title. Great title. Oh, no. um, it's literally, <laughs> it's literally us this Christmas. I'm cool with it, but yeah, if anyone is looking for a girl, a cute girl to bring home for Christmas so that they don't seem single to their family, Persis is available. You can um, bring me. She's, she's ready. I'll be a great fake girlfriend. Fully. I'm You'd good be with a great parents. real girlfriend too. <laughs> yeah, I should probably practice that. <laughs> Real or I'd fake? Be, I'd be a good be... fake girlfriend for all of y'all. <laughs> You've been a good fake girlfriend for me throughout this yeah. entire podcast. Clear exactly. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll address that, ladies and gents yeah. and everyone in between. Yeah, we'll, we'll address it. We, we know it's happening. We'll address it. But I love you. I love you, too. And happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Harry. Oh, thank you, Ron. No, that's oh. wrong. Oh, yeah. What? what? <laughs> What, it, what am I supposed to say? I also wasn't into Harry Potter, along with being just a boomer in general. Um, he just replies and says, happy Christmas, Ron. Oh, happy Christmas. What did I say? Thanks, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Now that feels so wrong. Happy Christmas, Ron. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Owen, for chatting with us. And guys... Let us know what you thought of this episode. You know what? If you're listening on Apple Music, we never say this, but please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. We would love that. And everyone, you, you know, I'm just trying to say we're always teasing. We're always teasing over here, but just stay <laughs> tuned for some like exciting things that are going to be happening in the next couple months. That's all we're yeah. going to say over That's here. I just want to keep y'all on your toes. Well, things are in the works. Seats. We're trying yeah. to be honest. Things are in the works over here at the Girl on Girl Studios. Mm-hmm. And the studio's meeting my room and Sarah's In my room. living room next to my cat. There we go. Um, but we'll let you guys know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Love you. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs>